the whole idea there is really less about the topic and it's about making them meet and mingle and build trust. So there's a, there's a trust building phase uh, in the ideas themselves. And we know that that trust is built when people stop uh, worrying about NDAs and they start talking <laughs> about ideas with one another across boundaries. Hi, everyone. I'm Victory Clafter, producer of Inside Outside Innovation. New technologies, markets, and methodologies are changing the way people create value. Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that brings together the best and brightest in the world of innovation, tackling these challenging problems. IO Innovation is hosted by Brian Ardinger, founder of Next, a provider of research, events, and consulting services that help innovators and entrepreneurs build better products, launch new ideas, and compete in a world of change and disruption. For more information, visit next.co. That's nxxt.co. Let's start off by uh, giving our audience a little bit of background on what is Connected Detroit and how does it fit into this whole ecosystem of innovation? Yeah, Connected Detroit Innovates is, uh, we, we refer to it as a business renewal accelerator. So you can think of it as uh, entrepreneurs have a place to go to accelerate their ideas to take to market. Uh, enterprise innovators, large companies, oftentimes, especially in the connected world, they need a place to, to begin to collaborate and start accelerating some of their collaborative ideas. And that's exactly what CDI tries to do with large enterprises uh, trying to compete in this connected world. So give me some uh, a little bit of background. What were the drivers? What started uh, the idea around this uh, potential business model and, and uh, how did it get up and off the ground? Sure. So some of it kind of starts with me personally. I, I spent uh, quite a few years working in large enterprises, uh, eventually for the last 10 years working for firms where I was either in charge of a strategy function or a an innovation chief innovation officer type of function. And while I was in these roles, mostly for large European headquartered companies, uh, one was Deutsche Telekom uh, with a part of their U.S. division, and the other one was Volkswagen Group, uh, again, in the, in the U.S., and I was realizing as I was trying to do my job as, a, as an innovator, take our companies to the next level or compete in the future, more and more of the work that I was doing was seeming lonely, lonely to, from two fronts. One, just how to do innovation. So I needed a cry on the shoulder kind of club. And the, uh, the, the second piece was more and more the ideas that we wanted to explore required uh, partnerships from firms outside of our, our own environment. And... Now, fast forward uh, quite a few years, uh, six years ago, we, I stepped out of Volkswagen and started having some of these same experiences uh, as an advisor to additional companies. And I realized it was not just me. Uh, there were a few, uh, many of us uh, needing the same, type of, uh, the same type of approach. And so informally for the last three years, we started meeting as a breakfast club in and around the Detroit area, enterprise innovators coming and sharing stories, what works, what doesn't, sharing a few ideas. And along the way, we, we had the uh, look each other in the eye moment to say, are we going to continue to talk about all the greatness we could do together or are we going to do it? And a few firms said we want to do it. And out of that was born Connected Detroit Innovates, uh, a membership-based collaborative where we are now actually supporting one another in, in both those elements of trying to help one another understand how one another do things, but then moving beyond that and actually trying to do some things together. So talk a little bit about the, the membership itself as far as, is it mostly corporate innovators or the, how, how do startups get involved? 
Uh, tell me a little bit about how, how the actual uh, process works. Yeah, so, so we're coming out of the first year incubation phase. So the first year was funded by the federal government, actually. This, this, this whole concept was pitched by a group in Detroit, and there was a grant written for, and they received it, and then they approached us to move forward on their behalf to, to, to launch this. And so during that phase, uh, memberships were free. And so we had uh, approximately 30 or so corporate uh, innovators from different companies come forward and uh, community organizers and what we call alliance members and a lot of different <clears throat> parties all coming to the table. Now that we're post the grant period and we're looking to ramp up uh, beyond this incubation phase where uh, finances need to be exchanged, we're, we're, if the membership has value, uh, they'll have to pay for it. Now we, we basically see two different classes of membership. One is exactly, as you said, corporate uh, members, and there's a couple different flavors. Some of them that are Earlier in their journey, uh, we call birds of a feather member, and they are there just to uh, be together and do more of that crying on the shoulder, more of the exchange of the how they do it, a little less of the exchange of what they do. And then there's uh, a, a, fork, a, a full collaborative member, and the full collaborative member are firms that may be a little more mature in their innovation processes internally, and they are ready to uh, collaborate and work on ideas together. And so those are our two flavors of corporate members, and then we have uh, different uh, flavors of alliance members, and these can be universities, entrepreneurial ecosystems, like accelerators uh, and incubators, or these can be really communities, and that's maybe the most unique one that we have. Our communities in and around the Detroit area are raising their hand and saying, um, consider us a part of your sandbox environment. Come test your ideas uh, in, our, in our community with our citizens, in our homes or in our businesses, and through that process, they will potentially be able to educate uh, a future workforce and, and bring economic stability to their region. So those are the two broad categories, corporate and alliance type members. I, I really like that model. And I, I see that happening uh, from a lot of different value proposition uh, perspectives. From So obviously the, the startups that uh, are trying to get some, or the new ideas that are trying to get launched, whether it's in, internally or externally to the company, uh, you have that playground and that beta customer test I think that's so important, especially in the Midwest where capital's uh, a little less uh, prevalent than in the Valley and, and, and connections are harder to come by and, and you have to kind of piece together all that kind of stuff. So talk a little bit about why you think this works with Detroit and why this is, why things like this are popping up in, in ecosystems outside of the Valley. Yeah, so well, in Detroit, we know it. It's, it's, it's our home um, and Detroit has, uh, for those listeners that maybe aren't as familiar with the, the staff of Detroit, the, the city proper of, of Detroit was in its heyday, mid last century was, was built for, uh, the infrastructure was built out for a citizen population of about 2 million people. And there's less, in the last census, uh, there, were, there were less than 750,000 citizens in, in and around the Detroit area now. And uh, many of those didn't leave the state, they just moved to the suburbs. So if you look at the region, it's still quite a populous region, but the city of uh, has, some, has some major issues. And so uh, the, the reason I think it works in a, in a place like Detroit is we have a lot of nascent uh, capabilities that have uh, been really encompassed in uh, large enterprises, engineering skills, uh, technology skills, uh, business leadership skills. Um, but how the local citizen that maybe has been left behind in a geography like Detroit City proper uh, gets involved is difficult. And so there's a lot of philanthropic action in that area. And mm -hmm. frankly, what we looked at is anywhere that you have massive scale that is underutilized uh, bring, presents an opportunity. That was one. 
Two, you have the spirit of a citizen uh, like a Detroiter or like a Detroit region person who has all this nascent capability but just needs a way to have an outlet. Uh, that presents opportunity too. And third, where you have a philanthropic uh, investment taking place and much of it coming from corporate film, uh, philanthropic uh, investment, uh, we saw this as a, as a kind of a triple threat of the opportunity to say, why would this money just be uh, uh, being spent to stabilize? Could it be spent more strategically? And could those same or similar corporates that are spending this money to stabilize a region also benefit from those regions they're stabilizing from uh, to test their, their process? So it, it, frankly, in many ways, we're just putting two divisions mm-hmm. of, a, uh, of an enterprise together, the corporate philanthropic side, and the strategic innovation side and, and helping them communicate uh, within their four walls. So that's, that leads us to a little bit about the, the thesis itself, this whole idea of the connected world and that. And I would imagine a lot of these things are popping up um, not only because, you know, it's t- the right time for the region and, and uh, things are going on, but from a technology perspective, uh, a lot of things are changing and, and, and innovation itself is changing. So let's talk a little bit about some of the trends that you're seeing and, and why the connected uh part of the of the mission is is so important or vital to to the corporations and the and the people you're serving. Yeah, so we think that the connected world or the technologies that are are kind of combining to create this ultra connected world is really the next technological discontinuity. It's at the same scale as electrical power uh generation and distribution or uh the steam engine perhaps that has that kind of disruptive potential. And so we 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 believe it's absolutely important to to focus on this particular set of technologies and the disruptions they're causing. Uh, they're completely sector agnostic. Um, what we're finding is we have a lot of accelerators we studied, a lot of the economic development type of work that we studied around the country while we were launching this, uh, have picked a single sector and have decided to say, how can we disrupt healthcare? Or how can we disrupt uh, mobility? Or how can we disrupt uh, a particular sector? And what we see is Connected technologies don't discriminate. They are uh, completely um, dismantling every every sector out there. And right. so that's that's the second reason we focused on it. And I think the big secret of the ripeness for it, not only in Detroit, where we think we have some special capabilities that we've been producing uh, experiences and in, in products for a long while, but really around the globe. I think that's so interesting, and it's such a big challenge. You know, we think about you know, corporate innovation, and, and it's hard for a lot of corporations to even think incrementally about innovation. And yet you've got some companies that are, you know, thinking bolder about uh, things beyond uh, even their own vertical market and that. So what's your feedback of the of the people that are involved in this? Of How can they go beyond that incremental innovation and, and think bolder about uh, innovation and how the, the world is changing around them? Well, as, as you probably well know, in, in, in the work that you've done and in all the interviews you've conducted, uh, every firm is a little different. So there is no secret recipe, I, I wouldn't say. We, we try to put it out and, and we do a bit of an assessment, uh, a mirror holding process with, the, with our members or with our potential members to help them articulate why they're innovating. You know, what is their, what is the strategy behind innovation and, and what's their agenda? And for those members that can begin to articulate that stair step or that uh, we, we see our industry being disrupted so much that this is a survival opportunity, uh, or the others that are able to look at what they've got and say, we have all the capabilities necessary to be able to uh, push into this and, and really maybe leap, leapfrog it apart. Those two communities, the, the ones that are, are seeing uh, a future of desperation, 
So from a, from a fear base or those that are seeing uh, great opportunity, those are the ones that want to push the hardest. Uh, those that are actually market leaders today, the, the ones that uh, have a lot of success, they're the ones that have the hardest time looking for the, uh, the something beyond incremental. And so when we, uh, again, we don't have a, a, a matrix or a, a rubric that we force them through, but a lot of it is uh, their leaders uh, being able to make those decisions on their own. And uh, sometimes it just comes down to having a really, honestly, cool uh, concept that they can work together. And, right. um, you know, the bright and shiny object still, still oftentimes is, is part of the equation on, on setting the hook a little deeper. Yeah, the, the the whole idea of innovation theater, uh, and while there's a lot of bad things about it, sometimes it is that initial hook that gets folks uh, engaged in, in what's going on in that. Uh, so are you finding mostly the folks that are involved in your efforts, uh, are they the kind of the innovators of the innovators, uh, or are they the C-suite? Are they folks within organizations say that they're, they've been tasked like, hey, figure this out? Um, who are the types of people that uh, kind of gravitate towards uh, working in these sectors? Yeah, it's a great, great question. So, you know, being so new, I'm, I'm, I can only tell you what we've noticed, what we've, uh, we've learned so far. But uh, we've kind of got uh, two different categories. We do have the people responsible for innovation, and, and in those instances, uh, they've been already entrusted by their organization. So these are titles like chief information, or excuse me, chief innovation officer, chief uh, director of innovation, etc. And so you find with those people that are sticking their toe in the water to say, hey, there's a new innovation club, uh, better get in there. Or there is, finally, there's an innovation club. There's a place I can go and, and be understood. I don't need to describe my job. And so you get all kinds of different variations in there um, from those that want to just uh, you know, be along for a ride or, or see what the ride is, all the way to people saying, finally, I've got a place that I can try to drive out some of these collaborations. I've had all, the, I've got this backlog of collaborative ideas. And then, you know, if you guys can help me push forward. The other community we have is are what we consider sponsors of innovation. And this is particularly usually more the C-suite. And they, uh, theoretically, they're the ones who get to the, hey, collaboration's important. Let's, uh, let's really push on this. Uh, but then they turn and say, well, who's going to do this in my organization? And that's mm-hmm. the other discovery we've had is, uh, getting the concept is a lot different than acting on the concept, and so we are we are smack dab in the middle of that messiness, uh, you know, as we speak, uh, a little over a year into this journey uh, as part of CDI. How do things actually take foot and and get get a uh, get traction? Uh, you know, are, you mentioned they start working on ideas, and that uh, there's a collaborative community can bounce ideas off of that. How do ideas actually go from idea generation to idea execution? So we've created a multi-phase process that we uh, try to follow uh, or we try to classify everything that we do at CDI into. And uh, just roughly without taking you through every phase, there's the, inc- there's the uh, recruiting side of this, which is basically which members do we already have or which prospects uh, kind of of a cohort do we already have and what logical uh, other members will there be uh, to, to help them collaborate. So there's a, the logical and the strategic recruiting side of it. Once we have a cohort or once we have uh, members in working, um, we take them through this exploration and planning uh, side of things, which is bring bring ideas. And by the way, not, none of this that we're doing in Detroit is uh, necessarily new. There's a few things that we think that we're doing differently, but we've mm-hmm. learned these by studying others. So uh, bring them together, have them explore topics, maybe bring a guest speaker in. Uh, that, that topic can be around a technology, that topic can be around a disruption, et cetera. 
And from there, uh, we take them through some facilitated type of um, sessions. And this is really up to them. Some of them say, uh, you've done enough by just helping us build a trust. We'll go uh, you know, into our own corporate environments and close the door and see if we can do it there. Many of them in this first year, at least, have said, really the value is um, get, getting us in the room, making mm -hmm. us talk, getting the ideas. And what they've, the, the secret they've told us is it's simple. We get all these great ideas, and we do this all the time by ourselves. What you do differently at CDI is you help us write them down, and then you nag us over and over <laughs> again until you get back together. And that uh, has led to what we call story arcing, and we, we, we can make combined story arcs for uh, multiple companies at once. So it's a, it's a collaborative story arc. And then those story arcs, nodes on that story arc, story arc uh, turn into potential proof of concepts, and we help them build a plan for how they can create a proof of concept. And then from there, they can either test it, they can put it on the shelf, they can work with one of our communities uh, to test it in. Uh, it, it's, it's completely freedom. And, and I, I give you that detail so I can say this. When we launched this thing a year ago, coming from you know a little over a decade of, of corporate uh, uh, innovation work, I had the thesis all wrong. We went into this thing, what everybody needs is a joint sandbox. Uh, what everybody needs is, everybody has lots of ideas already. They need a place to be brave enough to go test them. And what we found in working with them a year, for a year is it was almost the opposite. It was, uh, yeah, sandboxes are interesting and the communities are, are a unique thing that we're doing here together. What they really said is back up. Um, yeah, we have a lot of ideas, but we don't necessarily know how to collaborate around the ideas. And if mm -hmm. you could focus early in this journey on building the trust, getting the ideas out and helping them see us as not somebody participating in someone else's idea, but this is actually a mutual idea, that will be where the real value is. And so that's where we're focused. That wraps up another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. Thanks for listening. Come back next week to hear from Carrie Davis, who is formerly with Coca-Cola and is now the founder of Your Ideas Are Terrible. Until next time, go out and innovate. <laughs>